Cave Books. We're here tonight in the Brick Cave. So. <laughs> so, Sharon, writing updates. What are you working on? I'm still working on the same stuff I've been working on. I have made progress. I've made some progress on uh, some of the writing, but it's been a bit slow. Uh, I, I will say that um, I did get to proof the uh, Honoria. So the Return to Honoria book is coming out in the first week of November. So I got my proof copy. Oh, great. Yeah, I got my proof copy of that. So I was able to go through and do the proof on that. I'm doing the final proof right now on that. And then that'll be set to go. So, you know, progress. There is progress. It's, you know, a few hundred words here and there on the writing. But at least, you know, I have a book coming out. Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you working on, Bruce? Well, I've gotten fairly deep into silver magic finally. Um, I'm up to probably about the third to a little more way through and have laid out most of the plot elements and all the characters. And uh, now we're going to start getting into some of the political intrigue and dirty dealing. Excellent. Excellent. So um, without spoiling anything here how do i say this there was something that happened at the end of platinum that was totally ignored all through code and i'm wondering whether yeah, well, or not we're getting something in silver okay so all right yeah, i, I will, without releasing too much of a spoiler i will say that some of the news out of the gray havens is that flanders has reappeared okay. under the protection of one of the major houses Okay. All right. Which bodes ill for yes, our yes, heroes. Does. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. Because because there was that that thread, and you know, as as not it Donald was intentionally put underground so mm -hmm. I could do a little more on the status and tribulations of the orcs because that's very important in the third book as well. Okay. Well, and again, there's there's no reason why you know you can't do that. I mean, let's say in that, I'm just, ho I was just like, no, but other, are we going to get readers, that in other silver? Readers you know? have made the same comment. Where is that? Well, we got a little more groundwork to lay here okay. before the bigger confrontations will make a lot of sense. Looking so. forward to it. I, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, excited to see what you do with that. So I, so, so last time we talked, you were saying that you had felt like you had to stop and step back because you you were writing the same story again right and so um you were able to now navigate that what i did and i think i i hope that the way i've managed to do it has broken up part of the problem that i was having was that simon is now a lieutenant okay oh, he, he's not a sergeant yeah. anymore mm. he's actually running three teams at once three sergeants, because that's the mm -hmm. command structure. Right. And Hal is one of the sergeants who is now reporting to him. Ah, okay. And Hal being his foster father, that- A little family tension. Little, actually, there's there's not as much tension as you would think because Hal had already been his second in command in the, that's true. In the team. But um, I've, got a, I've got a little bit in there that's pretty much Stonebender Hall domestic bliss that- talks about the family and the relationships. <laughs> okay, all right. So that'll be kind of fun, I think, for the people who might want to know more about how that works. 
Okay. I, I'm in. I'm in for that. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that you, so you say you haven't really made progress, but that's a lot of progress to re-envision the storyline on a work, especially a third book, uh, is a lot. And that's what's kind of gotten me a little more enthused about continuing the writing. I, I'd reached a point where it was like, you know, how you sometimes feel like you're just butting your head against the wall and the characters aren't talking to you and it's, no, what, what? Bruce, oh, I have gee, no idea. <laughs> I know we've all been there. And and um, a few, well, not a few weeks ago, probably two weeks ago, um, I was slogging away, and then one of my secondary characters said something, and I said, "Aha! <laughs> now we know where we're going to go with this." Right. It's one of those lovely moments. Lovely moments. Yeah. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. It's fun. Well. I, you know, 80% of the writing really is done subconsciously, I think, or at least in your thinking, you're, you're thinking about it more than anything. And I think a big chunk of that is subconscious. I, um, I heard it once referred to, and I repeat this all the time is the subconscious churn. So all that stuff is going on there. So when your character says something out of the blue like that, it's, and you're like, oh yeah, that's now it, that right? Yeah. Sense. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a joyful moment, isn't it? Yes, it is. It yeah. is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, you know, we, we had talked last time uh, after our we got together last time we were talking about, well, what do we want to talk about? What kind of topics should we cover in our next podcast, which would be this podcast? And one of the things that came up is conflict and tension. And I'm interested in when you say the domestic bliss of Stonebender Hall, um, and you say it with that laughter. Um, I'm I'm interested on how that's playing into the need for conflict and tension in the story. Part of that goes back to my ideas between, and and I'm very concrete in my thinking. So take this for what it's worth. Conflict is open tension. So it may be a fist fight, it may be a yelling match, it may even be in the setting of, say, a police procedural, an intense interrogation that makes some breakthrough. Whereas tension is all of those little things that kind of grate on people, but they smooth it over with politeness or smooth it over with diversion. And I find that much harder to write because you have to build that up with dialogue or with action i i don't like the internal dialogue thing where he thought blah 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 right. that just to me is kind of distracting i use it but i usually use it in a very concrete way you know mm -hmm. why is he saying that just a very brief flash not this long internal monologue about how i'm being very polite but i'm very conflicted um sometimes that works i'm, I'm actually uh, listening to the latest installment in the Murderbot Diaries. And, and I love Murderbot's internal dialogue almost as much as I love his external snarkiness. But that's not how I write. Mm -hmm. And and I, you've commented sometimes that I need to put more internal exposure of, of my character's feelings. Yeah, instead the emotion it. on the page so that the reader gets it. Yeah, you know, I... And I'm probably too subtle sometimes with 
that when I put it out in action. So here, um, there's a little bit of tension in the sense that Simon is the foster child. He has three foster brothers and three foster sisters, and he and his closest in age foster brother essentially were are of similar age and grew up together, but his foster brother is the equivalent of a defense attorney. Oh. Not well liked by most police forces. So nice. Okay. Um, right. So there's a little bit of that dialogue. And then, of course, Molly is the matriarch, has to step in and say, we're not going to discuss this at the table, gentlemen. <laughs> in, in, in her very Molly way. Yes, right? in her very Molly way. So, okay. And all of that's to, to make clear the fact that it's both tense, but a, a actually a very close family. Right. Now, these are people who really do like each other. They just disagree. Right. Well, that's good. You know, we, we, we like to like people and still be able to disagree with them and still be able to like them. Yes. You know, whether they're family <laughs> or not. That, <laughs> no, Bruce, you and I would not know what that was like at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my take on conflict and tension. I think tension is the more subtle thing. I think it's in many ways, harder to do in your writing. Um, we all feel tension and we can tell, I think humans are very well attuned to recognize the body language and speech pattern of tension. That's a hard thing to write. It is. It's, it's difficult to get it on the page. It's, it's very nuanced. And so it, it, I get exactly what you're saying, which especially if you're not doing internal dialogue or internal uh, monologue or thought or any of that, because, you know, that it's easier to just say, well, the character was thinking or feeling or whatever. It's a lot harder. But a lot of that's um, when I work with authors, a lot of that, what I push for them is to dig deeper and then use word choice. And, you know, because it's always about how the character you know, sees the world, the lenses through which they're looking at the world. And, you know, my lenses change from moment to moment, day to day, depending on my mood. And so how I see the world is going to change as well. So there are ways to do that. Um, I think you, you do a good job of it in, in your books. Uh, I do think I've had to kind of push you, you a little. You have on occasion. And, and I don't <laughs> disagree. I find myself having to stop and Try to figure out, is this a good point to insert that little bit of, you know, under his breath, he says, you right. blah, 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 blah. Well, but politely, he says. <laughs> well, you get, you do a lot of getting into the the plot and the mechanics, uh, almost like in a Mickey Spillane kind of way. I'm just going to say that, where it was, uh, this uh, happened, and then this happened, and then he just, you know, he reacted to this, and he reacted to that, and then he punched the guy. I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of that that goes on that nowadays people want that deeper read. Uh, they really want, especially in a fantasy, readers tend to want to get deeper into the world. They want to get deeper into character. And so it's, you've just got to push it that little bit, you know, is, is all it is. And I think you do a good job of it in your final works. I, I'm very pleased with with your books and buy Bruce's books. They're really good. Um. <laughs> well, see, but that's, that's where I've kind of admired a lot of the stuff that you've done. 
we have a little mutual admiration society. Thank you. Because you are very good at using those few words of internal monologue, not even having it as an internal monologue, but it's clear where that patient's feelings are going. And mm -hmm. you don't spend a lot of time with it. Usually it's like a sentence or a phrase. And it's like, oh, I, I understand that totally. And it's not overwhelming. I, I, I really do kind of get turned off by books that spend too much time in the head, in yeah. the head, and analyzing. I, I've recently finished a couple of Michael Connolly's Bosch series, where I think he got a lot distracted about Harry Bosch and his conflicted feelings. And there, there were kind of full pages where, like, yeah, I get it. Right. Get it. Yeah. Let's just move on. Let's well, we find out what happens we, next. I don't like being hit over the head with it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's and, exactly and that's, what I mean. I, you know, there's there's subtle. And then there's there's and then there's letting the reader in, and then there's getting clobbered over the head with it, you know. And it's just I don't like that either. And a couple of times it's like, oh, I know how he's gonna. I know the character, so I know how he's gonna react to this situation. You don't need to tell me again. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, especially in series, right? Yeah. Well, not even in series. Even if you just picked up that book, really, it's not the the situation at times isn't that dissimilar to something that happened earlier in the book, where he showed oh, this reaction. Right. It's like. I get it. You you don't have to do this all over again. Right. Yeah, it's like explaining all the reasons why somebody is broken and then they make a bad decision, and wh that's why they made the bad decision because they're this broken, that broken, the other broke. Yeah, it yeah. just there's you know you don't you don't have to belabor the point. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> trust your readers, writers. Trust your readers. That's a good point. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So to me, uh, conflict is. There, it goes a little deeper. It's it's not as concrete uh, as as it is for you. And tension for me can be the simplest thing. It, it can be putting a question in the reader's mind about what might happen next, or what what is what what is the character thinking, or what's their next move going to be. So for me, tension um, really isn't just about what's going on in the for the characters, but also how you're. Uh, raising tension for the reader and those expectations and then sort of setting them up for the next thing. And that's that to me is uh, has to be done very subtly. Uh, it, I don't like to be hit over the head with that either. And I, I don't, you know, I like to be hooked, but I don't want to be, you know, yanked on once I'm hooked. You know, I don't need somebody to put the hook in my mouth and then yank me to the side. I, I get it. I'm in, right? I just read a, um, let's see, talking about your your recent reading, I just read a book, was fascinating. Um, the author's name is, I can't think of her first name, but it, her last name is Valenti, and it's called Space Opera. And it's a, basically, it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy meets Eurovision. <laughs> exactly. I, it was I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but she is a really smart writer and there was character arc and yet it was extremely entertaining. And she wrote, she writes Faulknerian length sentences, but they all are grammatically correct and they make sense. But you have to work a little bit sometimes to stay with her, um, especially if you're just 
like I like to read at night as I'm going to sleep before I go to sleep. I like to read for about an hour every night. And there were times when I was like, what the heck did I just read? What did she say? Halfway through the sentence, like, wait a minute. I fell asleep yeah. here somewhere. I need but, to... Yeah, but apparently, so I, apparently I've been missing out on this author. So I'm going to go, uh, she's got other books out that I'm going to be uh, looking for now. So I'll um, check that out. I, yeah. I just picked up, um, I can't remember the author's name either. Um, it, it's the, uh, the Ballad of Black Tom. Hmm. And it's set in New York in the 1920s. Um, and it's really about a black hustler, I guess, would be the best word. He's sort of a con man. He's just out to make a buck any way he can. And one of his scams involves pretending to be a musician, even though he doesn't play or sing very well. But then he runs afoul of this um, Grigri queen. And... Now he's all involved in this kind of supernatural. Oh, see, now I haven't I seen like zombies that. yet, but when you start mentioning Grigory, it's like there's going to be a zombie <laughs> in here somewhere. <laughs> Chances are, right? <laughs> and I'm only about halfway through it, but it's it's as a period piece, it is really good. Ballad of Black Tom, huh? Yeah, making a note. Um, and just the whole atmosphere of Harlem in the twenties. Because that's kind of the the right in the middle of the Harlem Renaissance. So yeah, that and that's big resurgence of of black business and and black music yeah. and you know the nightclub scene and all of that. That and he's not really in that. He's an outsider to even to that. So even to his own people, okay. he's an outsider. All right. Because he he can't really play, and he doesn't really do an honest day's work, and yet he's trying to you know drift between both of these worlds it's really really kind of fascinating I, i'm enjoying it all right i'm putting it on the list you'll be proud of me the book i'm reading right now is the dispossessed by ursula k Le Guin. oh goody I, have you not read that <laughs> i i had not read it it was one of those ones that got, went right by me she was extremely pro- prolific and and during my youth in the 70s i read a ton of science fiction but I didn't read it all, of course, uh, because that's I also my, read a lot one of, of my favorite. Movies. Is it? Well, I'll, you'll be happy to know that I'm I'm almost at the end of it right now. So I'm um, I'm pretty fascinated by the whole thing, even though it's not my normal cup of tea, um, because it's so uh, political and so social and all of that I, in a way I, that <laughs> does it does it age well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It ages really well, especially I, I for right now. About, yeah, no, maybe. All right. because no, it ages extremely well. And um, I'm fascinated by I I had I had not read any Ursula for a while, and I'm extremely fascinated by how deep into the science she writes. Oh, yeah. I I had forgotten, or I just didn't. Well, didn't. if if you if you just stick with her fantasy, you don't. Yeah, and I mostly read her fantasy. She is a scientist. Yeah, she's she's and, so into so, it, and I'm like, oh my god, she knows these things. I, even, I have no clue. Even in her short stories, um, I can't remember the title of the story, but it's part of the um, the same cycle as Left Hand of Darkness, and and she uses the whole bit of, of time dilation and 
and how that affects someone who goes away and then comes back. But they go away with special knowledge that then becomes critical at the time they come back. Interesting. And it, it was just a really fascinating yeah, story. So I'm I, trying to remember. Yeah. It's it's right in the very beginning of, of the the Hankree cycle or whatever. What was it? I'm, I'm blocking on it. I don't know. You know, I'm a bit of a COVID idiot these days. Uh, the um, I've decided that the zombies have already eaten my brains, and um, <laughs> what you get is the leftovers. So, well, what I'm what I'm getting is physical mask fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Because masks make my nose plug up, mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. the N95 and respirator mask. I put them on and I'm instantly plugged up for some mm -hmm. reason, and I'm in them so much now that my nose never clears. So you're I'm just, having to breathe through your mouth and everything. Yeah, uh, it's just that's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Not, yeah, that's no good. I wouldn't like that either. I did notice that some of the masks that I was wearing recently, I had a couple that, um, I don't know if I was just breathing really deep or <laughs> what, but the mask was like sucking into my face. And I was like, ah. if, they're, if they're too soft, they'll do that. Yeah, so, um, but you know what I did? An N95 doesn't do that. <laughs> you know what I did though? I took one of those, you know those, um, things that you're supposed to put on your nose to sleep so you don't snore. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I put one of those inside my mask and it works great. It's keeping it off my face. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so uh, so I, we had another topic. I think we've talked a little bit about conflict and tension, uh, unless there's something more you want to say on that. But um, let's talk a little bit about likable and unlikable protagonists. I have a hard time with this. Talk to me. I find it very difficult to read the truly unlikable protagonist. There are protagonists that I love that the rest of the world in the book find unlikable, but you're inside your, their head, so you understand them and they are likable. The truly unlikable protagonist, I, I just can't do. And two books that got critical acclaim recently, well, relatively recently, a few years ago, that I just absolutely hated were Gone Girl and The Girl on the Train. I found no one in either of those books that I could like High or five. even identify with. High five. And it's like, Air what, five. what the mm. heck? Why do people read this stuff? <laughs> I don't care how well it's written. Nobody in those books is worth liking is worth liking or even caring about you know it's funny because i i don't like unlikable right I, I i can't i can't relate and engage with unlikable protagonists at a level that would want i'd want to sit through 250 350 450 pages worth of them um i i equate and and i say this when i teach my workshops i equate picking up a book to going on a road trip now, do you really want to get in the car with somebody you're not going to be able to stand and you're going to want to get out at the first gas station? First rest stop, I'm out, right? So I get you. I totally get you with that. So let's talk about those people that are confusing because um, I don't know if you've started reading the book that I loaned you yet. Um, the oh, Adventures yes, I of have. Family. I started it, but I I've been not okay. able to get into it okay. because I, I start to read mm -hmm. and I fall asleep. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, the nice thing about it is that the episodes are very fairly short. They're only a few pages long. So you can read a, cause they were right. written like as a blog kind right. of. A and and I, I've, I've been able to yeah. 
make a start on it because of that. I really found it fascinating the way that um, Theoden, when he wrote that, how he took a character who I was all like, oh, pirate, and I'm rooting for him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this guy's a, wow, do I like him? I don't want to like him. I still like him. Do, but I don't really like his behavior. And yet I still want to read about him and go on this adventure, you know? And so, so I found that a really interesting um, twist for me. And I think he pulled it off for me because he started him off as a likable rogue right then he had some behaviors that weren't so likable but i already liked him by then so it was really coloring my some, judgment some of the stuff that wasn't likable though really is in character of the pirate it's exactly. of the 16th century which we don't find acceptable exactly but he's behaving like that guy should booyah right there <laughs> nail on the head i you know it, it's exactly right that's the other piece of it first first of all that because when you get deeper into it, he gets like, he does some stuff. It's like, what? And I still wanted to hang out with him, right? <laughs> I know well, he's see, this guy. To me, that's different than the truly unlikable character. For me, the unlikable character is either the person who is just so completely clueless and thoughtless that they don't even realize now, if played for comic effect, that's one thing. But if they're truly supposed to be a serious character and they're consistently doing things that are either self-destructive or destructive of the people that should be on their side, then I, I find yeah. that really unlikable. Yeah. The other unlikable character is the character who is not behaving in accordance with the Kind of the parameters that were set up at the very beginning as to what what their background and what what their circumstances are well to me that's a little more of a, a believability issue you know what you just said not so much believability so for instance the the kind of the stereotypical um spoiled rich kid mm -hmm. um who doesn't have any redeeming qualities now that's a cartoonish, unlikable character that you can understand as the villain or the foil. But when you make that your main character and you don't find any redeeming qualities other than yeah. a spoiled rich kid, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to read about this. It's the whole save the cat thing, yeah, you know, exactly. at least let him save a cat. Or, or you know, in, in um, the Nelly Stones where I have the dragon want to keep pet birds because really bad so, guy but he he really wants to have a pet bird and he can't have a pet bird because he's just a rotten guy right you know so <laughs> so i some people who've read them may disagree with me have you read any of john rango's prince rogers series uh no so in the very first one and it's you know rather prosaically titled march up country prince roger who is the third son of the ruling monarch of the universe essentially is shipwrecked on this world intentionally to get him out of the way, but he's the spoiled rich kid. And he does all kinds of things in the first book that are just completely thoughtless and completely unlikable. And the long suffering Colonel of the Marines who is assigned to, as his bodyguard to protect him is constantly eye rolling and getting him out of trouble and keeping him from doing stupid shit. 
until the very end of the book when he comes through as the hero and it's like maybe this guy's redeemable so yeah. there's there's three or four books in the series and by the end of the book prince roger has evolved into a very wise and likable and commanding leader who then is worthy to step up and take the throne so that's a long long story arc over right. several books but if all you read was that first book it's like this guy's a total jerk <laughs> why did i read <laughs> why this, did right? i read this? <laughs> yeah. i read this because i like the colonel right and i understand but that's his... but that's smart because oh, yeah. he did that on purpose he had that secondary character so that you could like that you could like so you you could get in the car and at least you know, at least the guy driving is okay, right? Yeah, the guy in the back seat's a jerk, but at least the guy driving's okay. Yeah, so I can see the use of the unlikable character there. Right. If you're going to make that the sole book, you'd have that epiphany sooner. close to the end, but sooner than like yeah. literally the last scene of the book. Um, but you know, there's more coming because it's left as basically right. a cliffhanger. So you know, okay, well, this is just a long story. Right. Well, you you know, so the character arc is important and you have to have, but you have to give the character a reason to change because we are people. People do not change unless we have a reason to change. We exactly. don't just suddenly wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a better person today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm just going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my diet today. You know, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Until the doctor says, you're going to die <laughs> if you don't change your eating habits. And then some people still don't change, you know, but, you know, it, we, we have to have impetus to change, right? right. That's why we want to see it in, in, in if you're going to have a character arc, first of all, if you're going to have a character, I want them to have an arc. Well, uh, I want them to have It's kind of pointless if they don't. I, I, should, yeah. I should back up. There, there are some books where I really don't care if there's a character arc because they're not intended. They're not that kind of book. They're not that kind of book. Yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're no. just, they're a different type of book. But I don't typically read those kinds of books. I want a character arc. Right. I want my character to have an arc. I want them to change. I want something to happen. I want impetus. And I don't want them to just wake up one day and go, well, I'm going to be a different guy now. you know, Because that's, right. that's not how we do. And so anyway. So, well, yeah. again, I know there are authors. I know there are readers who like to read books about unlikable people. I don't. And I have a very hard time even conceptualizing why that appeals I, I guess i guess i'm limiting myself to a certain type of reader when i do that but it's like why do you do this to yourself right well it's <laughs> the same reason i couldn't watch orange is the new black and i and i don't watch most reality shows because everybody's just being mean they're all just being mean to each other to me i don't want to hang out with a bunch of mean people i got better stuff to do with my time than to hang out around a bunch of mean people why would i do that to myself I I get I guess that some people want to watch other people being mean to other people. I don't know why. I don't find that entertaining. But uh, so I'm not a like uh, I'm I'm like you. I don't want unlikable. So so truly my, unlikable. My characters. wife's take on this, and it isn't exactly the likable and unlikable characters. All she will read in her reading is Harlequin style trashy romance. That's yes. that's her. That's go her to escape. sleep, relaxing escape book. Yeah. And her reasoning is every day of my professional life, I deal either with tragedy, stupidity, or unlikable people. Right. And I don't want to read about it. I don't need right. my consciousness raised. Right. I don't want to read about that stuff. 
I've learned how to navigate the world, and the safest way to navigate the world is to stick my nose in a trashy romance novel at night. That's it. <laughs> I get exactly. it. I get it, you know, and I get, well, you know, romance is the number one best-selling genre in the world. Probably for a reason. Probably for a reason. I mean, the whole yeah. formula is all based on happy endings, yeah. and yeah. we know that it, everybody's well, going to win in the end. It's not nobody, you know, it's not going to end in tragedy. It's the tragedy know. only happens to the bad people anyway. Right, so the bad okay. people. If there are any bad people, they get theirs, you know, and the good people win, and you know, <sighs> yeah. No, I can see that. I can see the bra. I really can. Yeah. Yeah. So. I try to make my characters like well, well. As a matter of fact, somebody who reviewed my reviewed Thieves Prophet found Zach not a likable character, and I'm like, really? I thought he was a pretty cool guy. I like him. I, I, you know what? He's what I like about Zach is that he's flawed. Yeah, but he's got his own code of of ethics and morals, you know, that he sticks to. He's got, you know, he's loyal. He's got, you know, it's that Firefly kind of thing where, you know. Um, yeah, I'm a bad guy, but I'm a good bad. I'm a nice, nice at bad heart guy. bad guy. You know, I'm Zach's Zach's whole world is freedom and his crew. Right. That's yeah. all that counts. That's he's all he got his about. own. He's got his own values, and he sticks to them. That's intentionally the way right. he was written. That's and, what and I And I wanted. think you do a great job with that. And I like him because of that. I don't find him an unlikable character. I find I find him an interesting character because he's flawed. Um, and. I like flawed characters. I just, I think that that's how we can dig in. You know, we can really dig into the psyche and get understanding of other people by reading about people who are flawed. Unlikable people, I just, I've lived around too many. I've, I've had to <laughs> deal with. shift with me. No. <laughs> I mean, unlikable people. I've geez. had people be just mean to me just to be mean to me. I don't need that in my world, okay? Yeah, just, we, yeah. we all occasionally encounter the patient who's, beaten up or knifed or stabbed and after about 10 minutes like yeah i understand (laughs) (laughs) well i i I have to tell you that coming up on my reading list in the next uh couple of weeks is uh ravensbrook so (laughs) yeah it's about 764 pages worth of oh this is gonna hurt me but i need to do it i need to read it i need i i I want the in-depth i want that um well first of all it's because it's coming around on the guitar so um it's it's basically because i need to read a book for my women's reading list that is over 500 pages long and most of the ones that are going to be over 500 pages long are not pretty stories and um and because i feel a need right now to dig into that and that's just where i'm at so that's why i chose it well no i i actually spent six months of my life at one point reading nothing but holocaust survival stories just all holocaust books six months of i was miserably depressed and i couldn't stop because i felt like i needed to understand and i needed to know and i needed to um i don't know i just needed to dig into that and so uh, every now and then I get in a, in a place where I feel like I, I told you I just read The Five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that was fascinating. So in between all of my space opera and, you know, other things that I read, um, I always have a tendency to find something that's a little deeper and a little more dark human uh, story. That it, It's yeah. all part and parcel of the my need to understand and to know things. 
Okay. I can so, think of other ways to understand no thanks without going into long, depressing books. Well, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's history and it's I, Yeah, no, I, I and I wanna and I if I'm reading history, I tend to go more toward primary sources. Mm. So I if I read history, I read a lot of academic history. Yeah. I that would have trouble. I know. Well, and some people yeah. can't stand I find it fascinating. <laughs> yes, you're doing that eye yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, where one eye closes and the other eye twitches and it's like historical I... fiction on the other hand, while I enjoy it a great deal. Um Bernard Cornwell is one of my favorite authors of all time. But I like it to be at least accurate if not Well this is not historical fiction. This is the real deal. This is history. So yeah, I know, and that's what I'm. But it's a it's a type of history. So like I say, I I lean much more toward oh, the narrative. academic. Yeah, history I prefer narrative. Narrative history. I do. Yeah. Narrative history has its place, but you got to remember you're dealing with the narrator. Mm -hmm. And so that's a point of view that. Well, that you have to you have to understand that it's a point of view, however real, however objective it is, it's still a point of view. So are history books. They're Again. written from a specific point of view. They're not necessarily as accurate as we would like them to be because they're not which completely is, objective, which is why you go to primary sources mm -hmm. as much as you can. Again, yes, that would, we can get into a long discussion about oh, yes, the relative we could. <laughs> merits of who writes history it's, and why they mm. write history um, and understanding history in the context that it was written and the context that it took place. Yes, we could. You And you and I really could probably, you know, dig a big hole into that. <laughs> yeah, <we don't laughs> so let's move on to something else, shall we? <laughs> Because oh. nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you again for listening to this edition of the Brick Cave Podcast. Anytime you would like to hear us, just join us online at BrickCavePodcast.com. Our BC Book Club members can enjoy extra episodes and other great advantages such as free books. Free books. Details on bcbookclub.com. Thank you again for everyone for listening and we'll drop in again soon. See ya. Bye.